Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 42 of the Canberra Football Show. I'm Matt Nicoletti. Today, we are having our MPLW season review. I've got a stack cast here today. Brought everybody on. First, Jeremy, how's it going today, mate? It's been uh, it's been a while. I know, right? We used to be so close every weekend, uh, every <laughs> other weekend. Uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very good. Thanks. You know, just work from home and whatnot. So it is what it is at the moment, isn't it? Matty, happy to have you back on, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks, thanks Matt. Uh, always good to be back on. Look, I'm doing all right, mate. I miss football probably as much as yeah. anybody else. Um, I think if the, if the European leagues hadn't kicked off, uh, when they did, <laughs> oh, I'd be going nuts right about now. Yeah. <laughs> what I wouldn't give for a cold and rainy day at the top of, you know, hawker scaffolding just to watch some football. And I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> well, I don't regret, uh, you know, not being at hawker, but the rest of the grounds, yes, 100%. And we welcome on the show for the first time, Stefan. Stefan, it's a pleasure to have you on. How's it going today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matt. Uh, hi, guys. Really, really good to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me on. Really enjoyed your uh, commentary and your writing and your podcast, of course, the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this. Yeah, and like I said, it's glad to have you on. We were planning on having you on uh, as a lead-up for the finals, weren't we? But uh, yep. the season has been what it is, so glad to have you on for the season review. So, like everyone knows, when you saw in the um, MPL1 review, the, the season was ended after a month's uh, worth of lockdown and the season wasn't null and void. It was uh, all the teams were given the titles that were at the top. So wherever it stood by the last game that was played, that's what it was. So in this instance, Canberra Croatia were crowned MPLW champions. Tigers were crowned MPL1 champions. Uh, O'Connor Knights were crowned MPL2 champions and were promoted and Tuggerong were uh, relegated from MPL1. So that's all as it stands. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts on uh, on that sort of decision by uh, Capital Football? I mean, granted, no one's going to, not everyone's going to be happy regardless, but does anyone want to chime in? It's a good call, I think. I think it's the, you know, unless we were able to, to reopen everything in Canberra 100%, uh, then, then it was pointless to try and, and do a, a half-ass end of season like in November or something like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, if the lockdown is just going to to last in Canberra, you might as well just just call it where it is. It's been, maybe the NPLW was where it was the uh, the, the tightest, uh, but at least there's no promotion relegation involved. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's, except for the NPL too, where there was there was probably a chance for, for the teams to be promoted. Um, I think maybe the, the results were sort of where, where they would have been. It's a shame, of course, that we miss out on football. It's a shame, of course, that the, the teams and, and the players and the staff miss out on a, on a bit more uh, of what everyone loves to do. Uh, but, you know, safety first, health first and all that. I'd, I'd echo Jeremy's comments. And, and the fact that they didn't null and void the season, I think, was a really great suggestion. There would have been a bit of consideration given to that and a bit of pressure. But the fact that they've, you know, we, we got through roughly about 80% of our matches um, and the fact that that was rewarded, I think, was really good. And you only have to cast your mind back probably 12 months ago when they went through the finals process in a COVID period and restricted access to grounds and things like that. And anybody who was at those grounds or involved in those games, it didn't have that finals feel about it. Um, it kind of felt like people were just doing it because we felt like we had to. So, I, 
you know, I give credit for capital to Capital Football for keeping everybody safe. And, um, you know, congratulations to everybody on the season. Any thoughts, Stefan, on the decision? Uh, yeah, well, look, we were so fortunate. Um, in Beyond 90, we've got correspondence in all our states. And um, pretty much at the end, I was the only one talking about our, our state football. Um, I think South Australia was the other one that was that had football going on. So I think we're very lucky we got as much as we did. Um, and, yeah, I don't think there was probably any other decision that could have been made. Yeah. I should I should mention, sorry, um, Just can I just give Beyond 90 a little plug? Of course. Yeah, so I'm I'm, a, I'm like the Canberra or one of the Canberra people for Beyond 90, and uh, we're an online digital platform um, that promotes and um, and up tries to uplift women's football. We're women's football specific. We've got uh, reps in all states pretty much, and a correspondent in the UK and in the US. So uh, we also do a podcast on Monday nights. So um, it'll be really good if people want to have a read or have a listen. Um, it'll be worth your while, I think. Thanks, Matt. No, 100%. Definitely go check their uh, stuff out. I've definitely used um, a lot of Stefan's information over the last year or two, as we all have, you know, colluded with each other in in that regard. Uh, we've got two little things on team of the season. First, Jeremy's just going to explain a little bit about Russ's process and who how, how the voting is going to work for the MPLW team of the season. Uh, pretty similar to the MPL 1-1, wasn't it, uh, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, probably the exact same process actually. Uh, you know, Russ got his old, uh, his old uh, updated stat sheet out and uh, and looked at every single uh, teams and and basically um, picked every sing- every player who would have played at least who would have started, excuse me, at least nine games, uh, and, and just pulled them up uh, for every single team. It usually turns out to be uh, you know about 11, 12, 13 players maximum, uh, and and there's a rough you know there's a rough uh, four, 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 three, three, or four, four, two, coming out of that, uh, and then he sent that list um, to every single coach uh, in NPLW, and and asked them to to vote for basically their their favorite player, um, asking for each coach to vote for one goalkeeper, four defenders, three midfielders, and and three forwards. Um, Russ will will do the the hard work and and tally it up uh, at the end, and then we'll announce what the the team of the season is, which I think it's a uh, uh, it's it's a great idea to to do it that way you know we we're not the ballon d'or yet so we can't go and ask for a, every coach every captain every uh journalist but uh but it's next year next year we do that uh no it's great great initiative from from rest definitely 100 percent. and i think one thing you forgot to mention there is that uh the coaches are not allowed to vote for their own players yeah true so yeah no one no one no one think like that please that's not how <laughs> that's how it's happening and uh, we are delighted, though, to have Stefan's team of the season that he will have on his article for sure. He's going to give us a sneak preview of it. So, Stefan, uh, take it away. Yeah, I had the same rules as far as uh, minimum nine games. So that counted players out like Michelle Heyman, for example. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll run through it quickly. Last year's team of the season was a bit heavy on on Canberra Croatia. So I've gone a little bit different this year and I've got lots of Belcon and Blue Devils plays in there. So uh, I was uh, pretty impressed with um, their fitness and speed this year. And I thought they were sort of ramping up towards a finals challenge that uh, would have been interesting to see if, we, if we'd got there. But uh, I'll just run through, yeah, the, the team quickly, if, if you like. Uh, same, same sort of thing, 3-4-3 three, three, three type formation. Um, my keeper of the year, and weren't the keepers good this year, guys? It's oh, yeah. um, 
there was so many great keepers out there and uh, it's it was really hard to pick one. I, I, I struggled to pick one amongst the top three. But my keeper of the year is Janet King from West Canberra. So she was incredible, I thought. she Her, her um, reflex saves were great. Um, you know, she's fairly new to the top grade, I think, and uh, had, a, had a wow of a year. Her, her ability to do the long bombs out of, out of her hands um, to, for those on synthetic pitches out at Woden, you know, quite a few goals scored because, uh, you know, route one, long bomb, forwards running onto it, scoring. So, uh, yeah, she's my, she's my keeper of the year. Um, in the defence, I've got Vanessa Ryan, Sarah Johnson, both from, um, from Belconnen. Sarah's a bit of a cheat because she played about half the season in defence after a couple of injuries there to Karen Clark and, um, and Jazz Zabel. Um, but she, that's how I got her into the team. I couldn't leave her out. So <laughs> Sarah's in there at centre-back. And a um, uh, little bit surprised, but I reckon it's, it's worthy. I've, I've got Zoe Terry as my right back. Uh, to me, Zoe was, um, you know, in the team that finished bottom, but she was so damaging with her runs. Uh, she could run through teams uh, right, you know, right from her own box to the other box and create, you know, goal-scoring chances. So um, I really wanted to put her in there because I couldn't think of a more damaging right back, to be honest, uh, in, in the competition this year. So um, Zoe's my, my bolter. So good on you, Zoe. Um, my midfielder is, um, and sorry, and Vanessa Ryan, she was there last year as well. So really hard to go past her, at, you know, in a wide back position. She can play either side, but um, does the up and back thing so well. Very, very fit, knows a defensive role, uh, does the overlapping. Um, yeah, so she's she's brilliant. And Sarah Johnson, when she's in the middle with Michaela Thornton, those two are dynamite um, going forward and, you know, just held the fort really well. Quality player from from the New South Wales MPL uh, coming into the competition this year. So um, midfield quickly: Talia Backhouse from Bill Connan, Michaela Thornton, um, Krista Hagen from Canberra, Croatia, and Sasha Grove. So what a dynamic midfield that is, guys! Um, Talia scored, I think, seventeen goals this year, so it was a real standout um, coming back to the league. Um, Michaela and Krista and Sasha were all were there last year as well for me, so I'm um, I'm pretty happy with that midfield lineup. Um, I'll get your thoughts in, in a sec. And up front, um, it's hard to go past uh, Brittany Palombi, Grace Gill, and Ashley Sykes for me. It's um, probably not too many uh, other options you could really look at there. I think. Um, shall I go through my bench players and my coach? Is that all yeah, right? Of course. Okay, I thought coach was um, coach of the year was uh, last year was. Um, uh, Nick Nick Brosnick from Canberra, Croatia, for what he did. But this year, I've given it to Michael, Michael Zakowski. Uh, first year coaching, uh, got the team super fit, super fast early in the season. Um, you could see that with the Charity Shield win, how they how they um, how they started the season, you know, on a on a red hot um, form already at that stage. And you know, Canberra, Croatia, tend to grow into the season. Um, and I think they were they were um, fitter and faster to start with, and maintain those levels all year. So I was so surprised at the last I covered the round seventeen game, um, uh, Belconnen versus Olympic, and they it just was it was an eye opener about how how fit and fast they were. I, I count seven players in there in the team that would easily be able to take on anyone in the league as far as speed. So. Kudos to, to him for getting his team transformed in that way into playing 
under a you know a, a formation a system that that suited suit his style and rejuvenated them a bit. So he's my coach of the year. Uh, my subs, Samantha Ems, Walker City is my sub goalkeeper. She was brilliant, um, another brilliant goalkeeper. Um, so she's uh, got called up for young Matilda's trials and the camp up in Sydney. So um, had a really solid year. No fear, no fear at all in her for a 16 year old. So really impressed with her. But uh, Chloe Lincoln just misses out too. She, I mean, that game she had against Cam- Canberra Croatia, oh, yeah. unbelievable. That was the best goalkeeping performance of the year. But uh, I just thought on, you know, on on balance, what I saw um, as far as uh, consistency, Samantha's got it. And my other subs are uh, Tiana Jaber, um, switched between clubs mid-year, but, um, you know, very athletic, um, good good defender back there. You, you couldn't ask for anyone better in your back line as well. Uh, Ali Cook from... Um, from Canberra Olympic, she had a year in which she changed from a defensive role. Uh, and when um, Ella Hemmings and Brittany Furies came into the team, she's able to come forward a bit, and that helped the team, I think. And she she was fantastic, quite a, quite a number of goals too. Um, Alex McKenzie from West Canberra is another sub. I think she's got a big future. She's had a she's had a really impressive couple of years. Played in the in the men's comp and the boys as well, um, and. Wouldn't be surprised to see her move into a central midfield role at some point because the way she controls the game, is able to control the game, um, really determined, really focused, loves that control in the game. So um, well done, Alex, for making the team. And Olivia Bonford is my other is, is my um, uh, forward um, substitution. She came from Tassie. The, my, my two Beyond 90 Tassie colleagues talked her up before the season and, and uh, she didn't disappoint. Fantastic technique, uh, really good vision, um, and you know a great shot on her too. So, um, so there you go, guys. I've laid it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see how, how close it ends up with the, with what the coaches thought. So, um, yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, do you mind if we uh, give yeah. our thoughts on that? Uh, oh, go for it. Yeah, um, we'll all just what we'll do is if if you have a couple of thoughts, just uh, spray it out. I know who Jeremy's going to say. <laughs> Uh, from midfield, so I'll probably just say who I would have put in defence. Hello, yeah, I'd probably have uh, Renee Juner and and um, Tiana Jaber as my fullbacks. But in saying that, though, Vanessa Ryan and uh, Zoe Terry, very good choice as well. It just proves, um, you know, the sort of the depth of uh, choices we have here, uh, doesn't it, Stefan? Uh, but for me, those two were the best fullbacks in my opinion. Uh, Renee Juno, a bit of a revelation, like we'll mention in the uh, Campbell Croatia one at fullback, sort of converting in there. And she seemed absolutely seamless. Jeremy and I were singing her praises all year, every time we <laughs> every time we went on commentary, barely let anything past her. And of course, Tiana Jaber, W League quality player. Uh, she was she brought a different standard to the league, I thought. And um, congrats to her as well on getting re-signed by Newcastle Jets. In yeah. saying that though, very good team, uh, very good team, Stefan. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Is it's it's all so subjective, and there's so many good yep. players out there. You really struggle to to do this every year, and uh, yeah, it's um, I'll take that on board. Jeremy, what did what did you think? Uh, well, I think you, yeah, like like you both are saying, we are lucky that uh, I think the level of the competition was pretty high this season. Um, you know, we we can find players even in the bottom two teams uh, that that deserved the nod. Um, I. I you know, I, I don't disagree with anything that you put in the team, really. Uh, I'd definitely give a nod to player like um, like Ashley Leah Condon. I thought defensively she was spectacular. 
uh, with Tagrenong, you know, even against the big teams, she was really um, steering that ship. The, the very first game that we saw her playing against uh, Canberra Croatia, she impressed me and then she impressed me for, for the rest of the season. Um, I think um, Jenny Bissett was also a bit of a game changer for, for Canberra Croatia. Um, you know, she, in my opinion, she basically allowed Grace Gill to to take a bit of a rest because she brought that experience a little bit lower than on the pitch. Uh, and, and she sort of pushed Grace to only play number nine this season, whether last year she was alternating between number nine and, and number 10. Uh, but, but, but basically we got the, we have the same sort of um, mindset. I think we've seen the player that were really good. Um, Erika Pennyfield, I think probably deserves a shot as well uh, at Gongalin. Uh, you know, I think it's not been uh, a, a year maybe as good as we expected from from the Gunners, uh, but Erica brought all her experience and, and she kept playing hard um, game in game out. And I think that uh, you know the her ability to score goals and and her ability to basically run everywhere on the field uh, and to to talk to the girls with the experience that she had um, probably helped um, Diego quite a bit. So so yeah, but besides that, you know Sammy Ems, I think I agree with you. She's such a great oh, yeah. goalkeeper. Uh, Janet King was was a was amazing this season, uh, coming off a season where she played half goalkeeper, half on the field at Monaro. Um, and, and yeah, everybody else that you mentioned, I, I can only agree. Yeah, your Gungahlin uh, point is a good one. I had three Gungahlin players in last year and um, I had four of them just on the edge. Um, so Erica Pennyfield was definitely in one of them, but I think Manny Percival also had yeah. a really good year. Um, and uh, Ella Rose Brown, when she, I mean, she was um, switched around a bit and she played fullback really well on some some of the quicker, quicker wingers she was up against and then went back to her own, her attacking role and, and uh, was great there as well. So, yeah, um, I think as, as on a whole, though, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get, get to the team, but they probably didn't quite get where they wanted to get, get to this year. Yeah. Maddie? Yeah, look, I think it's a great team. Stefan, there's, there's not too many holes. Uh, in there, I think one of the the young guns for me, Hunt, probably might be the the switch for Bomford. Uh, for me, I know she went through that Patrick didn't score, but her defensive pressure and her ability to create space for others was super impressive from the from the youngster um, this year. I kudos on your Zoe Terry call. Uh, I think that's bang on. She had a cracker of a season and. Tuggeron uh, should be doing everything they can to, to hold on to her going into to next year. And, and Maddie Percival certainly started to grow into the season and um, started to become the player that, that we thought she knew. That, that midfield, though, that you've got set up in there, you know, with Thornton and Grove and um, Backhouse, you know, those sorts of players. I mean, that's a scary midfield. Uh, you know, there's, there's goals and, there, and there's box-to-box players everywhere, which um, makes me glad I'm not coaching against that team. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you once again, uh, Stefan, for your team there, and I look forward to reading the whole the whole thing in your article. Let's get straight into the teams, shall we? Shall we? So, yeah, we've got a few of us on, so I won't go to all views for every team. So, don't feel offended if I don't come to you. But if you really want to say something after we've uh, we've moved on, just you know, chime in, interrupt me. I'm happy to uh, happy to oblige. All right, let's start with Canberra, Croatia, shall we? Uh, they are uh, finishing in first place. They won the league, of course, uh, by finishing in first place. They won the Fed Cup as well, defeating West Canberra in the final. They were runners-up in the Charity Shield. 
And they also had the league top scorer in Brittany Palombi. Overall, another strong season for the reigning champions that only saw them lose and draw one match uh, of each. Uh, in the regular season, uh, plenty of players stood out here. I'll, I'll, let you, uh, I'll let you guys discuss all the players. And they're all just, it was just such a consistent season throughout for Canberra, Croatia. But I feel like they were really coming into their own around the time that lockdown ended, especially Grace Gill. She really, like, over the last few few games before lockdown, she really started to pick up her goal tally, and she was really starting to be uh, deadly. Plenty of players there, and Olivia Fogarty as well, I thought, was were, was really, really good. If it wasn't for her and her running off the ball, work off the ball, half the time you wouldn't be able to do half that, um, half, half of the game plan there. And she uh, did a fantastic job there. And, of course, like I mentioned, Renee Juner as well, absolute revelation, probably a fullback of the, uh, of the year for me and probably one of the players of the season for me as well. I was very, very impressed by her this season. Uh, I'll let you guys discuss the rest, though. Let's start with uh, Jeremy, biggest fan of Canberra Croatia. Uh, I, like a, I like a team who wins, what can I say? Um, <laughs> I, look, look, I think it was, I think it was fantastic. Um, the, 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 the call where I guess I'll... I'll gently disagree with Stefan is to put Michael as coach of the year. I'll put 100% Nick as coach of the year. Um, just, just because it's one thing to finally win as Canberra Croatia when Belcoin have been winning for 10 years. It's another thing to come back the year after with a target on your back with the very first game of the season preseason, you would say, uh, lost the, the charity shield uh, and then get back on your horse and, and basically um, win every single game again. Uh, you know, the game that they lose, uh, it's, it's that fantastic game uh, from, uh, from Chloe Lincoln that we discussed, uh, but they, they just looked untouchable. Um, and they, if they look untouchable, it's because the work is done, um, you know, before the season starts to uh, make sure that uh, there's, no, there's no champions hangover. We see it in, in every competition at every level. Uh, you know, when you when you win the competition, maybe you think that you made it. Maybe you think that you don't need to listen to your coach anymore. Maybe you think that you don't need to work as hard anymore because anyway, you've just won. So so why would you? Uh, so to see them um, starting back the way they, they start back and, and coming back into their own and, and their ability to um, sort of level up when it matters. I mean, that second game against Belkonen, um, you know, Belkonen being probably the best team of the season up until that point. Uh, and when Canberra Croatia plays against them um, and, and just just destroyed them. And, and you know, I, we didn't see Belconen for almost 60 minutes that day. So so I, I think Canberra Croatia has been excellent in the sense that they they lost Grace Field. They replaced her kind of by Jenny Bissett, which was a great um, addition. They've added Olivia Fogarty, like you said, Matt. Um, lots of great run of the ball, lots of great effort on the ball, some some great goals and some great goal opportunity created as well for everybody else. Uh, Brittany Palombi as um, as lethal as ever, and and you know I I really think that I really think that it's harder to win the second year than the first year. Um, so in that sense, I feel like the the effort that this team has put through um, is was fantastic, and and I'm happy that. Um, that they won. I wish we would have seen them uh, in the grand final against a Belconen that 
uh, added just maybe the one piece of the puzzle that was making them even better, uh, being Tiana Jaber. Uh, but um, but look, it's it's still a, a great achievement for for Nick Brozinich and uh, and his team. And yeah, I, I really think that um, they would have been hardly beatable in, even until the end. Anything to add on uh, the big the big red machine, as you call it, Matty? Big red. Well, I say you're wearing red today. Yeah. Uh... Pure coincidence. Not hiding uh, your support. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. So there's no bias statements about to, to come out. Um, 100% agree with Jeremy on Nick being coach of the year um, because it would have been really easy for that bubble to have burst, the pressure be released from finally being champions, um, and then it all just fall over. Um, but what they actively did in the off-season, okay, so they lost Grace Field, but I actually don't think that mattered. Like they got better. Jenny Bissett made them better. Olivia Fogarty made them better. Renee Junior made them far more stable at the back. And I go back to the round one game where they had the draw. Um, and Jeremy and I, we, we were really worried about that right back spot because um, Renee Junior didn't, she came off the bench that day. And we, uh, we sort of said, that's going to be the weak point. If you're watching this, if you're a Bill Connor or a Gung Garland, that's where you're going to go. And then one week later, there's Renee Junior. Um, and the doors closed. She was an absolutely brilliant addition. So not only to, to continue, you know, to, to get results, but to actually play better football um, and, and be that much more commanding um, is a huge credit to Nick and a huge credit to the culture that he and those senior players have, have built. You know, you've got Churchill, I think it was 200 games or something this year, which is, a, you know, all at Canberra, Croatia. Like it's a massive credit to her that the culture that, you know, Churchill and, and Gill and still that they're starting to pass on, you know, and the demanding, the, you know, the demands for excellence, you know, if Colombia only gets two goals a game, that's disappointing for her because they demand more, you know, Krista Hagen is the unsung hero. And I know you had her in the, in your team, Stefan, but everybody, we all talk about Bissett Gill, but she makes that team tick as much as much as anybody else. Um, and then Fenson at the back there just gives that rock, that spine through the middle, is absolutely phenomenal. And and Bar, to be really honest, Bar turning up on grand final day and a pouring down with rain and making the contest a 50-50 event like we saw when they um, played Gungarland at Gungarland where it was really tight. I can't see any, I couldn't see anyone getting getting close. No, nobody just seemed to have have the answers. And Jeremy's right, you go back to that game against Bell Conan. Um, and we sat there at half time. Um, and O'Connor probably touched the ball five times. And they were supposed to be the guys who were going to knock them off. So absolutely brilliant year. I actually think it's better than their year last year because they've sustained it for a long period. People could have argued that last year, given it was a bit of a sprint, it was a bit of a fluke, right? But Nick and that group have proven beyond a doubt um, that if they stay together, um, they're, they're the next dynasty, really. Let's uh, move on to Belconning United. Second place, they finished. They won the Charity Shield and their coach, Michael Zukoski, and they finished second on the ladder, of course. Uh, the coach, Michael Zukoski, uh, will be leaving uh, leaving the club now. Or not leaving the club, but he will be leaving the women's program. He will be become the head coach of the MPL1 at the at Belconnie United, replacing Fab Michelli, who moved on to uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers under-16s. Congratulations to Michael and congratulations to Fab as well in that regard. Best luck to Michael in this uh, new role. Like Stefan mentioned, 
he brought a lot to the team. They only uh, suffered two losses, I believe, in the league, if I'm not mistaken. And they were both to Canberra, Croatia. Uh, but that would be the one thing that they would have been disappointed in. Because like Jeremy mentioned, it was large, large portions of those games where they just weren't able to handle what Canberra, Croatia were bringing in those instances. Uh, it's safe to say he also brought a, a big emphasis on youth and bringing through the youth. Like Riley Ewan, for example, she saw a shine throughout the season. Stefan mentioned uh, Tali Backhouse and Livia Bomford, Bomford as well. I thought they were crucial. And let's not forget Michaela Thornton. It's safe to say she had more of a, a free role, sort of a more free roaming role this season. And I think that sort of uh, showed in how many goals she scored and the quality of those goals that she scored. There was that one game, I think it was at Gungalan, against the Gungalan United that Maddie and I called at the AIS, where uh, she scored that screamer from well outside the box. Uh, so she had a fantastic season also as well. I mean, I guess you wouldn't expect anything less from Michaela Thornton. Let's start with you, Stefan. You put a lot of Blue Devils in your team of the, of the year. Do you want to expand a little bit of, upon what you thought of uh, Belconnen United this season? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll just add a couple of things. I mean, to me, like I said, the the speed and the fitness was the was the thing that um, that struck me. So we'll run through those seven names, Backhouse, Bob and Ryan, Johnson, Jaber, Thornton, Ewan, I would not like to be in a race against any of them. So that's, you know, and that's seven out of the 11 and, you know, and the others aren't far behind. So, um, so that's, I think that's how they, they got their teams. Remember last season, they were, um, they were defeated by, um, by Canberra United Academy at one point and uh, they were nowhere near them this year. And you couldn't see that happening because the Academy team, are another team that rely on their mobility and their and their um and their and their speed and um you know they were just they just didn't get a, a look in against against Bill Connor this year. I just wanted to give a couple of shout outs though. One one was um one is to um Bella Tamaro. So she came into the central defense and had by, by far her best season that I've seen her play. Didn't didn't do a thing wrong all season when Karen Clark and um Jazz Sable Jazz Sables uh, set out for a while. So um, well done to her. Um, and uh, I wanted to also mention Leah Carnegie's corner, corner kicks. So dangerous. Um, three really brilliant corner, corner takers in the league. Um, Krista Hagen, I think, is probably the, you know, the, the best example. But uh, Leah's not far behind. Really, really, really knows how to drop him on that six-yard box. And Erica Pennyfield's also very good in that space. So... They're the only thing, other things I wanted to say. Christina Esposito, you don't perhaps talk about the, the goalkeepers in the in the teams that do really well as much, but she had another really strong year, um, you know, backing up from her great year last year with uh, with West Canberra. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Leah Carnegie there as well because she's definitely a player that really solidified herself as a starter um, under... Michael Zukoski and yeah, I echo your thoughts on uh, Esposito as well. Great. Well, I think we said at the start of the year, that was a great addition uh, to sort of solidify themselves in goals. Uh, Belconnen United, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with Jeremy to finish this one off. What else did you think about Belconnen United this season? Uh, I think, you know, I, I think uh, Michael deserves commendation because 
uh, I think he he brought a lot of change to that team. You know, he brought uh, Bomford, Backhouse, uh, Kira Bobin was back from a year where she didn't play much last season. Uh, and you sort of made those girls play uh, more. So at the end of the day, he, he changed probably a little bit more than what uh, Ahmed Ugul had to change because he lost some players last season. Uh, and, and he made those girls gel and, and I think he made them play well. Uh, you know, when you play against Canberra Crusher, it's, it's just another story because um, like Maddie was saying, it's probably a, di- a dynasty now. Uh, it's just a good word to use. But I, I really think that, yeah, Michael did a good job. I, I think, um, you know, one, one girl maybe that also needs uh, a shot is, is uh, the second goalkeeper of Belcon United, Karen Clark. How good was she when she found herself in between the sticks? Uh, you know, she, she had two two really good goals. Um, but yeah, I I think Belkonen had a had a very good year. We've seen here and there um, what what could be the issues when they play against the the Canberra Croatia. Uh, and I would I would put that down simply to the fact that those girls were playing together for the first year, um, and that there's some automatism that you just can't find when you don't play against a team as good as Canberra Croatia every single weekend. So you do what you need to do to win, uh, and, and then you don't realize that you need to do three times as that when you play against Deacon. But uh, yeah, Mikaela Thornton was was impressive last year. I thought she was great. This season, I think she was she was twice the player she was last season. Um, she was everywhere. She, she did less of those and hope she forgives me, um, useless runs that she might have done last season where you would find her down as a left back and then as a right winger and then in a minute. So she focused more on, on what her position is, which is probably because there was some good players around her to help her doing that. Uh, but what she did, she did fantastically and, and her run through other teams, you know, breaking two lines in, in 10 seconds um, where, you know, were brutal for every other team. Hey, hey Matt, can yeah. I just ask the guys... A question, of course, because it's one that I've been racking in my brain about Belcon, which is how far did you guys have them going? Because as I watched the team progress throughout the year, and I watched them go, and I take Stefan's point on fitness and you know their speed, and they were very much a run and gun team. That and and that's where they ran into problem with Canberra Croatia because they couldn't run and gun through those compact lines. And I go back to that AIS game that we did, Matt, and they had real problems breaking down Gangal, and my favourites, who, um, you know, looked like they were starting on the up curve. And I just wonder if we all think that they were going to make it to that grand final with that same style, or they, whether they were starting to get found out and get stuck. Because I'm not convinced they would have got there. I don't know. I don't know which team would have been good enough to find them out and beat them at their game besides Canberra Croatia. Because I reckon Gangarin was coming into their own, you know, obviously with the addition of Michel. Uh, but I think every other team was missing what was necessary to beat Belkonen, which was a very, very good central midfield. Because if you had a dense central midfield, I think Belkonen couldn't couldn't beat you because uh, for how, how good as... Miki and um, Olivia Bonford and, and Talia Bakar I don't, M- Mikaela can do that, but they, they were missing that defensive midfielder who can really hold everything and, and make sure that everyone comes back and defends and make sure that not everyone just runs away and use their speed and their, and their power to try and get to the goals. I don't think any other team, though, had that either. Uh, you know, I think Gungarin was, um, was, crucially missing that as well. Um, Canberra Olympic, if you had everyone playing uh, and, and ready, maybe. Um, 
I, I agree with you that that maybe maybe they would have been found out. I still think that maybe the firepower was too much. Um, but yeah, beside Canberra Croatia, I don't think on on a good day, I don't think um, anyone else could could beat them. And and like I said, the addition of Tiana Jaber, um, if anything, probably added that little thing where she probably had be the one coming out of her defensive line and stepping up into the midfield to be able to stop the other player. That would have been my, you know, my, my idea to, to tell her to stay in defense. And as soon as she sees a Grace Gill dropping, you just follow Grace. You just make sure that that girl doesn't get the ball. And then maybe that's your way to, to be, to be Canberra Croatia. So maybe that, that would have been a, a way to do it. But um, I, I, I agree with you. I still don't think any other team besides Canberra Croatia had the, uh, the weapons to, to get through them. Sounds like Jeremy's the next Bill Conn coach. <laughs> I'm <Spoiler>. a diploma. <laughs> <laughs> I guess right. I saw things a little differently, sorry. I, I guess for me, the um, getting Sarah Johnson back into the midfield was a big thing for Bill Conn. When, when she came back to the back line, they lost something. And uh, when she came back into the, the midfield towards the back end of the season, they they changed and were, and were, were dangerous. So that's that was part of my thinking um, as far as um, believing that they were going to perhaps, you know, put in a, a, a challenge for that, for that title at the end. Um, she transformed the, the team that much. When you see um, both Thornton and Johnson acting, playing the similar sort of style and you've got two threats, the same sort of threats um, coming at you, that's a, that's a lot to deal with. Um, and the addition of Jabe, as you said. Um, so, to me, they were they were building. They they lost that game in round round eleven or twelve against um against Canberra FC Canberra Croatia. But after that, I thought they were they were building towards something. So that's that's how I saw it anyway. All right, let's move on to third place, Gungahlin United. Uh, their final placing uh, in the ladder is safe to say it's. Uh, a reflection of their their hard work and how they sort of improved in those last uh, in the last four rounds or so because before that it's safe to say that they weren't the team that we saw last season they were just trying to find something and, and I, I agree with Jeremy I, I they were coming to their own near the end it would have been interesting to see if we if we had the last five rounds uh, would Gungarland have kept kept it up. I, I believe they probably would have because it seemed like they were really starting to turn that corner. And to be fair to them, maybe that was the right time for them to turn the corner just in in turn just in time for finals. Uh, of course they had the massive arrival of 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 Michelle Heyman as well. Let's start with Maddie on this one of course. Maddie, what do you think about uh Gangalan United this season? Oh, I think as we can all recall from our comments throughout the year, I've been on the Gungahlin bandwagon since day one, <laughs> haven't I? <laughs> um, yeah, look, my my emotional my emotions around Gungahlin are probably as reflective as their season. Where, um, you know, at one point I I quite clearly stated they weren't going to make finals. I couldn't see it happening. Um, I'm glad I could inspire the team for you, Diego, because from that point on they made me look like a real goose. Um, there just wasn't quite that same cohesion that we'd seen for the last couple of years. And, and I remember saying during during one of our chats, Matt, that when Michelle Heyman was announced and she was arriving, I put Michelle Heyman in the Gungahlin team from two years ago or the last two years, not in the team as we saw it today. And it, and it wasn't quite the same. There was something in that dynamic that wasn't missing the, 
you know, the, the rotations that were, were happening, you know, and, and the ability to get the um, left and right fullback forwards um, just seemed to drop. And, and they, they lost games late as well. Um, you know, West, West Canberra at Gungahlin, where there's two West Canberra players sitting at the back post and, and not a Gungahlin player in sight. You know, those little things really, really hurt them. Um, shout out to McCann, I think it is as well, who was the wide defender. I was just super impressed with her every time. Every time I saw her, I just was more and more impressed with the way that she played. She was she was brilliant, a really good find um, for them. Uh, I I think they would have come in the end. I think they would have come close to to making it on grand final day. Um, just they, Percival started to to really settle. You had McCann who could do some, you know, she's not as fast as Bobham, but she was a presence enough as it was. Um, and, you know, Michelle is always going to give people a heck of a lot of trouble. And, and you know, we go back to that game at the AIS that got moved to during Syntho round. And, yeah, they were a minute away from, from getting a draw um, until Thornton remembered she had a left foot and, and saved the day. So they they were an amazing contradiction to watch. Um, and if, I, I don't know how Diego survived the the roller coaster that was that year. Um, but the the unknown is they lost Sander. They were losing, I think, Jay Brown as well. They were using they were losing Elka Atula as well. I think all off to the US college system. So that for me, that's the those three losses, um, Atulu and Brown in particular, were the, were the two things that might have brought them undone at the back end of the year. Um, but you know, full credit to them, it would have been easy for for them all to to pack up and go home um, when they didn't start getting wins when when Michelle Heyman turned up. Um, but you could just see it starting to gel. Nat Demarco starting to get in the goals and, and a little bit more fluency. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what what tweaking they do in the in the off season to to push themselves back because if they can hang on to Heyman and hang on to Percival, um, then then really they should be pushing that that top two a little bit more than they were this year. Uh, we'll go to Jeremy and then we'll start with uh, Stefan for the next team. What you uh, quick thoughts on Gungal United? Yeah, I think well obviously I agree with what Maddie's saying. It was a roller coaster of the season uh, three wins four losses uh, and then you know they for a bit they couldn't uh, they couldn't buy a goal uh, I think um, interestingly enough I think that's what that's what they missed um, somehow at one point they just couldn't find the back of the net and and it probably got into their head a little bit and then you start losing a bit of confidence and then it's uh, it's just harder to get together and then you start doing a few things the wrong way and then you lose a little bit of the togetherness and uh, I think they're just a, a little bit of a uh, of a vicious circle that that got in the the squad I reckon and and you know it, it can only be so hard when when you're a coach and when you see that happening uh, and how do you turn it around um, you know they they had basically the same squad as last year with um, Ayla Robertson not able to play as much as a right back and and Bridget Sander um, injured a little bit and then and then coming back obviously the addition of McCann was great um, and they have added um, Nat DeMarco who who's a fantastic player, uh, but I think somehow the how good she is and how technically gifted she is um, somehow disturbed the, the balance that we've seen last year because now they didn't have the, the Tanya Miro or the Steffi Legends in the midfield who was just running. That's all they were doing. They were running a lot and they were, um, you know, n- never never stopping in place. Whether now with the two DeMarco sisters with either Corbett or Legends, I felt like you were missing a trick in that midfield. Um, and, and 
if you add to that the fact that at one point you can't score any goals, then I think it's hard to to, to make it. Eventually it came back and eventually they did it. Um, like Maddie said, you know, not having Bridget anymore at the end, not having Jade anymore at the end. I I, I didn't know I forgot that LK was going as well. Uh, would have probably been been hurtful, uh, but any team who has Michel Heyman has a chance to score five goals uh, out of nowhere. So, so I'm sure they would have done uh, they would have done something right. And when you got Kelly Tanini um, in goals, and when you have Madi Percival in defense, um, you're also pretty solid on, on your back line. So, it was weird not to see them being as as good as they were uh, at one point of the season. Uh, but like Madi said, if you with the not even with the right tweak, with just a a good a good preparation, the same team as you had one season to the other. And if you can hold on to the players and, and replace the few that are living by, by, by players with the same quality, um, there's no reason for Diego not to, uh, not to be challenging again for the, for the final next season. And moving on to fourth place, Canberra United Academy. Interesting season overall for the CUA. It's safe to say under new coach Vicky Linton that they had more of an intensity about them. Uh, Obviously, we all know know them for the style of play that they try that they try and um, but that they teach uh, to the girls there. But she really brought a different intensity. I, I all we have to do is go back to that match that Jeremy and I did it at Hawker against Canberra Croatia. How from the first minute they just completely frustrated Canberra Croatia. Not a lot of teams could do that this season. They did it twice, uh, you know, getting a draw and then and then a, a win against them as well. Uh, I agree. Lincoln was absolutely fantastic in goals. Best performance I saw as well uh, of anyone in keeper uh, at that match at Hawker. And one player I thought that not a lot of people talk about that I thought was uh, terrific whenever I saw her play was Eliza J. Norris as well. That match, that final match against Canberra Croatia that we did. Uh, yeah, she somehow was able to, for good portions of the game, was able to mark Brittany Plomby out of the game, which is a very, very, very rare for people to do. So I thought she's going to be a standout moving forward as well. Let's start with uh, you, Stefan. You got your CUA, you got your uh, Canberra United Academy jersey and uh, background going on there. So <laughs> I do, yes. Um, yeah, don't they love playing for Vicky? Um, Vicky came back, uh, came back to the squad after a um, bit of a break after the W League season, and it was immediately apparent what effect that had on the team. They went in a bit of a run where um, they were unstoppable for, um, you know, for a few weeks and a number of weeks. And um, so she's obviously a massive inspiration. And why wouldn't she be? You know, the W League coach, coaching, coaching, uh, you know, a group of youngsters. So um, that was really, really good to see. Um, some other things that are really good to see, uh, Annie, Annie Grove, Annalise Grove, um, Player of the year last year, another tremendous year this this year. Um, really good to see that she got her scholarship with Baltimore um, and is over there so playing. So so good on her. Um, solid as at the back. And it was really satisfying to see um, Sasha take the captain's armband from her when when she left late in the season. So to to be uh, you know to carry on that grove that grove tradition there. And I see there's another, there's a third grove in the wings and in, in playing in the younger grades as well. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to it's going to be nice to see that that happening as well one day potentially. Um, so yeah, they're they're a little bit up and down, some high points and low points. They had a draw against Tuggeranong, uh, which I was at, um, uh, 
So it wasn't their best game, but Tuggeranong were really good. And that I think Tuggeranong were starting to turn their season around a bit at that point. Um, but um, they... Uh, um, Vicky Linton wasn't afraid to rotate the squad in and out. Um, with the development remit, she's, she's got a, a bit of a different emphasis, I guess, compared to most of the, the coaches in the league. Um, it's, a, it's a, you know, a development team, so... She made sure that players, um, you know, got got their time in the pitch, and and sometimes that was at the expense of your most experienced players. Like quite often, you'd see um, players like Annie Grove and Tara Cannon and that on the on the bench. So um, uh, I thought Sasha and Meg Roden steered the team around well from the from the middle of the park. Sasha wasn't quite as prolific with her goal scoring as we've seen in previous years. For example, when she was teaming up with Haley Taylor Young up front. Um, but she's still dynamic, you know, a handful, um, you know, really important to that team this year. Um, Chloe Lincoln, as you said, outstanding. And Sophia Christofferson scored 11 out wide up front. And uh, as Maddie also said, Anna Hunt was remarkable uh, as well, just for her, her work rate um, up there. And she's also scored eight goals. And I really like the look of um, Bessie Ruthmuller uh, in attack in the last game. Um, so someone to look out for in future years as well. All right, let's move on to Canberra Olympic in fifth place. Uh, they had the uh, one of the uh, the runner-up uh, top scorer in Ashley Sykes with 21 goals. She wasn't far off uh, this year. Olymp- uh, Olympic probably came like lockdown probably came at the wrong time for Olympic because if it happened before they had the, you know, the, the, the schedule of terror against Canberra Croatia and Bell Conan one after the other, I think if it happened like two rounds earlier, they would have been third. So um, that just proves how tight it was between third and uh, we only had a COVID outbreak earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they <laughs> no, were just going, oh geez, why didn't it happen earlier? Then they would have been like that. But uh, I always looked at when it was that when I saw that schedule for their season going Canberra Croatia and uh, and Belco right next to each other. It, it doesn't help when you got them back to back, but it's safe to say that the team was improving. Uh, I would say rapidly throughout the season, and even like compared like their games against Canberra Croatia and Belco. Compare that to where they were at the start of the season in those first two fixtures. You can see the improvement with the team there. Uh, Nicole has tried to make them a little more tactically flexible, moving between three and four at the back, which I thought was uh, interesting. It worked well in certain uh, periods of certain matches as well. Plenty of plays stood out there. Of course, Ashley Sykes, what can you say? Uh, Absolute gun up front, as she always is. Let's start with Maddie for this one. What do you think about uh, Canberra Olympic? Canberra Olympic. So we normally talk about inconsistencies from week to week. It was sometimes half to half um, with, with Canberra Olympic. It was it was really odd. I think back to the game, uh, Jeremy, we did against CUA where they didn't look like they wanted to be there in the first half. And I think it was they were down by three potentially. Um, and then in the second half, they turned it around and they became the threat that we knew that they would be. And it was just that that mental application and that consistency just wasn't there all the time. So they couldn't see through the job. But in saying that, when they were switched on, and it's a process, right, when, you, when you're skilling a team up and, and as you develop, you know, what is essentially a, 
a pretty new group. Um, you could see the processes that, that Nicole Beck was putting in place and you can see what they were trying to do and you could see success. They just weren't in a position to be able to do that for 90 minutes. And when you think the, you know, there's probably half a dozen players, if not more, that arrived on their doorstep the day before or the week before round one. So they were always three or four weeks behind in terms of their preparation. And and uh, there was a lot to like about them, though, bringing Courtney Hulse back as well to sit in the centre of defence with um, with Ali Cook early on. Um, she was a great pickup and a good addition for them. Um, Ella Hemmings making her return as well. Um, you know, and even pickups throughout the season. They got Tiana Miro over um, from Gungahlin. So th- there's a... You know, and I was actually super impressed with Fiorezi throughout the year as well. I thought she was absolutely brilliant, not to mention the captain, Jameson. Um, there's enough there to, to indicate that there's something building and growing. And, and that's what, you know, that's what we want. You know, Matt, you mentioned, you know, if COVID had happened two weeks earlier. But, you know, even in, by the end of that last round, who, who knows what would have happened had they had some minor um, you know, sort of patches where they could put it together for even 60 minutes or 70 minutes, uh, I think would have made the world of difference for them. So that there's plenty of upside there for, for Nicole Begg um, with, with that group. And you just hope that the majority are there to, to go around again. Any thoughts on Olympics, Stephen? Um, yeah, I, I think um, with, with Ellie Cook getting, getting forward with the arrival of Ella and, um, and uh, Brittany in the central defence, their the spine is is good, strong. I actually think they they struggle with the width sometimes, um, and that that probably leads to, you know, their ability to score lots of goals but leak some goals. I think I think sometimes that comes down the edges a bit. Um, so I'm not sure how well Tiana settled in. It's going to. Yeah, as you said, Maddie, um, you know, lots of late inclusions. Um, so settling in, it was a constant issue. Um, really looking forward to her settling in and, and playing a greater role. Um, but w- with Nicole being, you know, one of the finest wide defenders the city's ever seen, um, really hope that she'll, you know, be able to impart her wisdom on the, in those wide areas and, uh, and, and get them going in that way. So, um, but I'm just looking at the, the number of players who came into the team um, and it's just, it's like a, an entire team. Like there's, there's 11 or so, 10 or 11 who came in. So that's a lot of rebuilding, a lot of um, reshaping. The culture is fantastic there. I mean, some really good work initiated by um, by Andrew Woodman and continued. Um, so, you know, they have a really good thing going there, but it's just a matter of, you know, spending that time with them. And I'm hoping that this preseason coming up is a really fruitful one for them and they and they get that um you know that togetherness um for the next season i'll I'll jump in i'll jump in there matt if you don't mind i think one thing that i i was um i guess sort of impressed with and i want to commend nicole for is um she made them play 352 or or 532 which is a tactic that um you know i haven't seen in nplw uh and and that i think was probably new to a few of those girls even the more experimented uh, and and where, where you talk about the the width um stephen I, I agree because if you put uh, if you put a 352 and you ask of victoria jamison and Sena farah um to to play up front and and to cross the ball but then to also come back to defend on those on those um wingers that the other team has 
most likely being for a 433 uh it's a lot of work that's that's asked of of the team and it's a lot of um tactical you know alignments and realignments and repositioning that is asked that maybe was never asked of those players before so i think she's definitely um she's definitely educated their player a lot this season by showing them another um you know another way of of lining yourself up and another way of playing and and I think it was almost going to to pay off what what we've seen and and probably uh, what was a good learning experience for for Nicolas the coach as well is um, the team was different whether you had Heather Garriok in it or not uh, just just because of her presence and her experience and what Nicole was doing last year when she was playing with Olympic no one was doing this year which is being the relay of the coach in the middle of the park making sure everyone um, you know manages the momentum the right way, positive and negative. And, and once Heather was on the pitch all of a sudden, obviously the experience of, of a player like Heather Garriok will will help in, in that sense. So um, I, I think she, she, she definitely brought something different to the league and, and something that I, I that I really enjoyed. I think it was great to see Nicole Begg, who was prone to get emotional on the pitch when she was playing uh not being that at all when when she's on the bench and i'm sure it's been a uh, uh an exercise for her to you know it's, it happens it's... remember kevin musket he was similar he was yeah very tame on the bench. <laughs> oh, yeah very very tame uh but uh, yeah I, I feel like you know it was probably a an experience for her to do that uh she i, I think another striker next to Ash Sykes who, who can bring something different is where they can also progress. Um, maybe if, if Ashley tried to score from outside of the box as well, 21, 21 goals, 21 goals in, in the six mid six yard uh, box, I think very, very, very efficient. Um, but no, well, obviously I'm joking. She's a, she's a fantastic um, striker, but yeah, I really enjoyed basically what, what I saw in, in Olympic. And I think um, trying something new with that many new players at once, um, you you should be a very good coach uh, in the background to make sure nothing uh, explodes in your face. So um, I was really happy to see uh, Olympic this season. Yeah, I was also going to add to Jeremy, they only had really three goal scorers this year. They only had uh, Ash, obviously, Ali Cook with nine and Evanderbrook with seven and then Daylight to anyone else. Um, so they needed some more goal scoring threats. And we know Rachel Hardwick can do that, for example, I mean, she's a fantastic um, central midfielder, and we saw when she was at Monero how you know how many goals she can score. So, um, yeah, some some additional goal scoring threats, and as you said, perhaps an, another forward would be really welcome there. All right, moving on to sixth place, which was West Canberra Wanderers. They, of course, had that great run in the Fed Cup, finished runners up, but. What didn't happen at West Canberra this year, I think, is the uh, the question we should be asking. I mean, it's like interesting season overall. So, like I said, uh, safe to say they blew everyone's expectations out of the water with that great Fed Cup run, and that eventually turned into great league uh, league run as well. I think they were on a spot where they had was it five games or something like that. They were unbeaten or one in a row. They they had this great track of. Uh, Results at one point uh, with Emma Stanbury as coach at the start of the season. Tiana Jaber was fantastic uh, in there. Like you mentioned, uh, King, uh, several other players as well. Uh, McKenzie was really, really good. I'll let you guys expand more upon the players, though. Um, in saying that, though, they had a very, very good season. Then, uh, then straight after, or not long after the Fed Cup, 
uh, Emma was gone, Tiana was gone, uh, Ray Castro came in uh, as the interim till the end of the season. Then they struggled a bit for form. They weren't able to pick up the same form they did until near the end where they started to pick it up again uh, as well. So they might have, and like we mentioned how close it was uh, between third and sixth, they could have ended up in the finals um, anyway, but a lot happened at West Canberra the season. Oh, and of course, Sophia, can't forget Sophia Chavera also had a fantastic season. It's safe to say she really did a great, great job this season. Let's go to Jeremy for this one. What do you think of West Canberra? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. What didn't happen uh, in at West Canberra the, this season? Uh, you know, um, props to to everyone involved in that um, in that program, really, because you know, basically changing coaches three times in a season uh, is never going to be easy. So you had Boyd at the very beginning, and then uh, Emma Stambury, and it finishes with with Ray Castro, uh, and the results were there. I think you know, I think everyone brought something to to the team, uh, and yeah, you, you mentioned. Um, um, Sophia Chavera, you mentioned Mackenzie. I think Brianna Maguire was was great yep. as well. Um, Liz Edwards had a few good um, pieces yep. of, of of game, and then the more experienced player, Ellen Brown, um, Sarah Whitfield. Um, I, I really think that it, it's a it's a good squad and it's a it's a good team. And last year there was a bit of a the first team was somewhere and the reserve was somewhere else, um, and uh, and Emma has has changed that. Making sure that the the whole senior squad was uh, was one group, um, so so I, I was I was happily um, you know happily surprised. And at the beginning, I said that it was really hard to be a, a coach and a player, um, and that I was going to be um, you know pleasantly surprised if they had results, and they did get results. Uh, and and it, the issue was definitely not that she was a player and a coach; she was it was off the field issue. So I think uh, what Emma has done at the first part of the season was. Um, spectacular what Ray Castro did once you lose um, your coach and player and once you lose arguably your best player uh, was also fantastic uh, but it, it shows that it's a very good group a group of girls that like to play together um, and, and a group of girls that potentially next year would be uh, would be also very dangerous if they can keep the, the core of that together. Uh, let's go to uh, Maddie. Maddie, what do you think about West Canberra? Uh, guys, we needed that um, Amazon documentary crew that did Man City and Tottenham. Uh, all or nothing. All or nothing. We needed that uh, for West Canberra this year. It's all right. No, get... no, it's right. They're doing the disaster that is Juventus at the moment. So, oh, well, well, they did it last season anyway. Lucky you. Um, crazy season. I going into the season, you know, I I expected them to be bottom two, um, and the job that Ember did and. Uh, and the and the style of play that they they got going was was great. Getting Alex McKenzie back from the boys program was a massive massive plus for them. You know, not to mention J Bar and um, seeing players like um, Maguire grow, picking up Demi Nikias as well, um, even Emily Jensen for a short stint as well. So there's certainly some interesting foundations there um, to to build from. Um, and for me, that the, the they overachieved, right? They definitely overachieved. That Fed Cup run, um, I never saw coming. Um, and much like all my other predictions, I thought they'd end up playing finals football after that. So if you ever want to bet bet against me, uh, you'll make yourself a fortune. That's right. There's plenty of South Americans that might want that want, want that information. <laughs> um, but for them now, they need to. They're at a crucial point because West Canberra 
the club as a, as a whole. You've got, you know, Yuli who's moved on in the boys' program. That They've got a vacancy in the girls' program, in the women's program, sorry, now. They need to decide what they're going to do in this space. Um, and their next head coach is a really crucial appointment for them um, to ensure that they can they can engage these players early, keep these players and build. And, you know, you're not going to replace um, Tiana Jabar with another Tiana Jabar, right? You're going to need to do that through a couple of different mechanisms. But they need to make sure that they hold on to their McKenzie's and they've got a coach who's invested for a period of time that can work with whatever the club is, is after so that they can become that sort of next Gungahlin, for lack of a better term, that really pushes that top two because the foundations have now been set. The question is what they do from here. And next up, we have in seventh place, Wagga City Wanderers. Tough season for the Wanderers. Uh, that was, you know, it's safe to say it was marred by injuries. They had a lot of injuries and they had to, you know, ask uh, ask if anyone wanted to try out or they had to go and try and get players from community leagues in Wagga because there was just that many injuries. It just, it's it, a tough situation to deal with as a coach to try and, rep- it's always tough to deal with a couple injuries, but when it's more than that, like they had, it's, it's so, so tough. And it was it, it was a tough season in that regard for them. Uh, of all the players, uh, a lot of them stood out, but Sammy M's, like Stefan mentioned before, absolutely just fantastic this season. I mean, she was called up to young Matildas for a reason. And uh, I'll have that as a segue for Stefan. Stefan, what do you think about uh, Wagga City Wanderers this year? Yeah, uh, tough tough year for them, but it wasn't without their highlights with the uh, with the young Matildas um, recognition and, and call ups. So uh, yeah, Piper, Ava, and uh, and Sammy. So tremendous to see. And I'm sure if Tess Vicari was there, she she would have been another one in the frame for for that as well. So I'm hoping she comes back. Um, yeah, it's I, I want I I have the um, the honour of sitting in the crowd when I do my do my um, match reporting and write ups and things and. Um, the feeling when you sit amongst the Wagga crowd is fantastic, you know, so they've got really good spirit in that club. Uh, a lot of, a lot of youngsters, a lot of enthusiasm and, and um, it's great to see because a lot of them travel from, from other towns, even just to train, to come in to train. And then they have to try you know, travel to Canberra with COVID. I think they had restrictions on having to go back same day, for example, sometimes. Um, so it's a, it's a big ask, but there is an undeniable, talent and spirit in the group. Um, I had an interesting chat with Sam Gray briefly early in the season about, about Piper Lockley because um, we saw how influential she was, um, uh, I think, the year, year before Sam took over um, in the central midfield. Like She's got amazing vision and is like a puppet master sometimes. You can steer the team around for, and it's someone so young who, with the ability to do that is remarkable. And I, I asked uh, Sam if he's ever got uh, a question in his mind about playing her up front, out wide, as opposed to back in that role. And he and he said never, because um, you know that Pipe will always beat her first player, for example, and uh, and and put them on the on the on the front foot in attack. But I guess uh, counterweighing that is a player like that. If you're um, if you're under the hammer, you're not going to see much action if she's up front and out wide. So. Uh, so that's a you know that's an interesting question for for Sam, but you know there's a lot more to the team than just Piper. They they also were a team with another with a lot of turnover, nine players coming into the squad. They lost um, you know Miranda Walker and Madeline Harris, a couple of really um, important players players for them last year. Lisa Carey, 
but uh, Ashley Holler and Bronte Buick were fantastic in for them in the in the engine room, and uh, Kira Lee Cameron was also uh, very promising. I thought um, they they were a little less less insistent on playing with a high line this season, which I think was their, to their benefit. Um, last season you, you'd see them um, try and uh, stun teams with that tactic, and at halftime the the opposition coach would have a chat and. They'd work out the uh, you know how to do the diagonal runs, and then uh, they get tired, and uh, and the, and things wouldn't end so well for them. So they they still are fond of a high line, but they um they're not quite so wedded to it this season. I noticed, so I think that's probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, I think they really add something to the comp, and with the talent that's that's there and and coming into our competition, it's uh, it's good to see. But yeah, the injuries crueled them. Um, you know, having Piper and Aver out, for example at for stints at various times um megan castle uh great player up front but often playing a lone hand if uh they're, they're defending so much christina grau compass came in to attack as well but she was often often dropping back as well to help out in defense so yeah um and i think that they, they have some transient with the university down there transients so um players coming in and out of the town and that sort of thing so um just really looking forward to them keeping the you know the 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 um the talent they've got there and trying to build year upon year a bit there and uh, very much looking forward to seeing where they go, especially some of those you know younger talents. Uh, any uh, quick thoughts on uh, Wagga, Jeremy? Tough job for Sam, right? You, you you're right when you're saying uh, transient transient people down there because it is it is what it is. You know, if you have a player that is this good, they might not stay in Wagga um, and. And you have players that anyway aren't going to stay more than a year or two. So so you gotta you gotta do with what you have, and you have to be able to to build a squad um, with that, and then with all the injuries. Um, it it was not an easy year for for them. Uh, yet we've seen so much talent come in out of um, out of regional teams. You know, you you mentioned uh, Kiridi Cameron. I think for me she was a, a great example of of the talent that there is in the Riverina that. Um, could go in touch if you didn't have Waga City down there. So, so I think it, it was great to to see all those ghosts playing under the the Waga City Wanderers jersey. Um, you said it; the atmosphere at the club is great. Everyone is pushing for them to succeed, uh, and you know the, the best that can happen to them is that um, they leave Waga City to go to a bigger club somewhere else, not necessarily in Canberra, which it happened to a couple of girls uh, who played last season. It's it's a squad that um, for, I think, 75% of it um, a couple of years ago was was winning the under-17 competition with, with Sam as a coach. So it's a very young squad who's, who's building, who's learning how to play against women. Uh, and, and we're seeing a ton of improvement. We're seeing um, a little bit of naivety, which is which is normal because they're um, they are learning as well. Uh, and in the middle of that, you have Sam M's, um, you have Piper, luckily, uh, Tess Vakari, who's unfortunately was injured but was phenomenal last season. Uh, Megan Castle, who's such a <laughs> such a lethal finisher. I wouldn't like to be a goalkeeper in front of her. Um, so so it's it's great to see what he's doing down there. Um, it, it's such a tough job. Um, Sam Sam really has all my respect. For uh, for running a, a very good program down in the Riverina. Definitely good things uh, coming out of Wagga. Great job, Sam uh, Gray is doing there, of course. Now moving on to Tuggerong United, finished in eighth place. It was a tough season for Tuggerong overall, but it did end in jubilation, though, of course, with that 
game that Jeremy and I called there at the AS Synthetic where they got their first win of the season. They did get a draw before that as well. And it was well-deserved as well. It is safe to say throughout that game and that draw as well. And let's not forget there was that was that one match against West Canberra where they heartbreakingly lost in like the last couple of minutes where they were quite unlucky. Uh, let's not forget they've had a bit of a transition of a season as well with, um, with Michael Aldred stepping down a month or so before the season, maybe a bit more. And President Stan Mitchell stepped in as interim. And uh, when I talked to him for one of my articles, he said, look, I'm going to be honest. Uh, my my role was, before we found a coach, is to find sort of find a way to just keep the morale up. That's He, he decided, let's just play defensive, part the bus, let's try and get the morale, keep the morale up of the team before we get in the coach who can implement their style. And they found pa- Paolo Romero, who it's safe to say now, they've, it seems like they're pretty settled now at Tuggeranong. Uh, the girls have responded really well to her. Uh, he, he's starting to build something there. And I, I already saw on Facebook that Paolo will stay on next season. So it seems like uh, Tuggeranong uh, will be building uh, quite a bit in that regard. Of course, some standout players like uh, Stefan mentioned, Zoe Terry was fantastic at fullback. And, and also... Uh, I thought Maddie McGee as well did a really good job this season. Also, when when I saw her play in the games that we commentated, uh, let's start with Maddie on this one. What do you think about Tuggeron? Yeah, look, sounds a little bit weird to say about a team that finished bottom, but they're, they're a really good story and a, and a really yeah. good back end to to the season. Um, unsettling for the team for Michael Aldridge to to leave early on, but Paolo Romero has done an absolutely wonderful job and. And I know from speaking to some of the players, he's been really honest with them in terms of what he wanted and, you know, to, to give him a little bit of time. And I think he said initially when he first came on board to the players, give me four weeks. And four weeks later, we saw some really positive stuff, you know, from from them. We saw them push Belconnen all the way to, to the limits for long periods of time down at Canberra as well. They really exposed sort of wide areas and, you know, players like that, that we've mentioned before, players like Condon and, you know, McGee, Terry, Zoe Williams as well, like the, even Steph Coates when she came back there. there there's something to, to be said there. And, you know, they're, they're probably a little bit unlucky they didn't end up with with more points, um, especially given what happened with West Canberra, that game there. But I think, um, although, sure, results, you know, everybody wants to win every game, right? But there is a lot of positives to, to take out of this year for, for Tuggeranong United. And, and I'm really... Really happy to hear that Paolo is going to be around next year because that will give them the next round of consistency. And you would think that what they've done will only help attract some new players as well. You know that it probably makes it more appealing for you, for the Zoe Terrys and you know your McGees and stuff who who maybe were a little bit uncertain um, when Paolo walked in the door. They seem to be relatively well convinced now that he's the guy that that they want to stick with and. And maybe there's some opportunities coming up for some other players. It's a it's a really good opportunity, and and hopefully, you know, they're they're not going to be West Canberra in the sense that they've, you know, or Canberra Olympic where they've got the potential to make the top four. I don't think next year, um, but that if Paolo can sit there for the next two or three years, I think there's a really interesting program going there. Hundred uh, percent, Stefan. Any thoughts on Tuggy on Tuggies? Yeah, they've got quite a number of players who've been together for a while now. Um, so you're starting to see um, 
some joy with that in the middle of the park. Steph Coates, is, as Maddie said, uh, Jackie Freeman, Sarah Daisley are all starting to work well as a unit in the middle of the middle of the park. Uh, I think Sophie Rolfe and goals is better than, than the 82 goals would suggest. Um, I think she did, did quite well. And the other thing that strikes me is that Sophie Bewey, who's, who's done only a couple of college stints in the US, playing with uh, a lot more purpose and now this season. Previous seasons, you'd see her isolated. And this year with, um, you know, the two wide runners coming through with, with um, McGee and um, Terry coming through, um, she's uh, looking for them coming through, holding the ball up well and is able to, you know, play that, that um, you know, that sort of distributor role from the middle of the park a bit better. Um, so, yeah, some good, some good signs, I think. Um, so, yeah, I really wish them well. And it's, it was really nice to see them... Um, Finish on on a, on a strong note after given you know um, some some difficulties at the beginning of the season. So, and Sophie Bure is another one of those uh, utility players that played in goals. Actually, did quite well also uh, from the games we saw. Uh, anyway, how many good goalkeepers Togonong did have? Sophie Rolf, Sophie yeah. Bure, Jessica Abbott when she came in. That's like a, there's no player who couldn't be good between the sticks in that squad. <laughs> I don't know, any uh, any last words on Tagron Jeremy since this is uh, our last time? Uh, look, I, I agree with what Matty said. It's it's a very good story, and I think it's a good squad. I think it, uh, there's a mix of being unlucky, a mix of not having had uh, a perfect preparation with Michael Haldred living um, the way the way he had to live. Um, otherwise, it could have been, uh, I think, a success story. You know, we've seen. Um, um, pieces of, of greatness, I guess, uh, from Caitlin Ewan, from Lara Mustaine. Uh, and, and those are players that, if you have them for a whole season, added to the Terry, the Coates, um, the Freeman, Daisley Sisters, etc., uh, can actually um, make a, a pretty a pretty competitive squad. So I think, like we like you both said, um, having Paolo coming back for another year is, is just great news. Um, and I would be surprised to see them um, that far down at the bottom next season. Completely agree there. That's us, that's us done for this uh, review, guys. It's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, Maddie, any last words before you head off? Uh, look, just, you know, thank you to you, Matt and Michael, for, for having this this podcast up and available for, for the region, mate. It's, it's, it's a brilliant um, opportunity for idiots like me to uh, prove how dumb we are with our predictions. Um, but it, it's fantastic the service that you guys do for, for the community here. And I don't know, everybody really appreciates it. And, you know, shout out to all the players and all the coaches and all the volunteers who, who are behind the scenes in, in our wonderful game because, you know, as much as we get to sit here and, and enjoy talking about players and, and coaches, those people who do all the work behind the scenes, and, and I've met a few of them, they, they are probably more valuable than, than some of the people you know, on, on the sidelines or on the pitch because without you guys, it, it wouldn't happen. So big shout out to all of them as well. 100%. And thank you very much, Maddie. And thanks for coming on and uh, bringing your expertise. Uh, don't don't let those uh, some of those bad predictions let you, uh, let you down, mate. <laughs> uh, Stefan, thank you very much for coming on. I look forward to bringing you on uh, again in the future. And any last uh, words, any more plugs for Beyond 90? <laughs> Oh no! Just a shout out to my young bloke for for his photography work. Hey, great um, stuff. Yeah, thank you to you to you guys as well. And uh, uh, the um, the the competition within the competition in the mid table this season was was crazy and fantastic. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it all again with you guys. And uh, 
with all, all the teams again next season. So uh, thank you. 100%. Thank you, Stephen. And Jeremy, thank you very much. As always, any last words? Uh, shout out for the the season review that season review book from Russ that you, me, and Russ will be chipping in. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Matt. Thank, thanks, of course, for, for the, the great work you and Michael this season. Again, uh, like Maddie said, that, that podcast is is really awesome. Uh, Maddie, I have a, a petition here for you to become the next Belconen coach. It's signed by <laughs> Bella Tamaro and, and Michaela Thornton. Is, is there any truth to that? <laughs> I'm wearing red, so my name's probably <laughs> off the table now, mate. <laughs> Um, no, th- thank thank you everyone who uh, who chipped in. Thanks everyone who's come on to the uh, the commentary. I mean, you know, I'm with Matt and Matty most weeks, uh, but having Michael Zakowski coming in, having Nick Brosnich coming in, um, and and all the coaches who've, who've helped us uh, making the the commentary better. Um, game in game out all the referees as well that are always um, happy to help um, r- really thank you you know all we want is is to try and make this competition as um, uh, as successful as possible and, and give it the, the spotlight that it deserves uh, I think we see year in year out um, so much talent in Canberra and like Stefan rightly pointed out that battle for the finals this year was amazing and when you see that the bottom two our teams that we know are going to improve. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the future. So thank you to, to everyone who's been involved in this season. Uh, thanks for accepting somebody that you might not understand every other word that is pronouncing when it's on the microphone. Uh, and I look forward to, to doing it all again next year. Thank you as always, Jeremy. And yeah, uh, keep an eye out for Russell's season review. Russ will be doing the MPL1 part, Jeremy the MPLW part, and me the MPL2 part. So I'm looking forward to writing for that again. Thank you very much, everyone, once again. Episode 41 of the Canberra Football Show. That was our MPLW review. Thank you very much.